Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today, the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Welcome back to Blue Collar BS, Brad. How are you doing today? I am wonderful. It is hot and humid, and summer is in full bloom. Absolutely. Hey, guess guess who we got on our show today? I think we have AFW, if I'm not mistaken. We do have AFW, Mr. Andy Wines, the owner of Green Up Solutions. Andy, how you doing? We're living good today, brother. Excellent. On the show, we want to talk more. We always ask all of our guests, which generation do you fit in? The Gen Z, Boomer, you know, are you in there? I, I'm, a, I'm a millennial, uh, 84. However, I don't identify as said millennial. I know there's that like zennial, weird like 1980 to 1985, like we grew up without the internet, but we're not dumbasses on the cell phones now. That's the generation I would like to identify as. <laughs> and in 2021, when we all have entitlement, we can be what we want. I will declare that I am a mid-generational individual because, you know, we all we all can do that now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. I love it. All right. We're going to go there right away. We are we, right now. And I know <laughs> yeah, Mr. Wines probably has not ever listened to an episode of the show, but we try not to politicize in this, in this, in this show at all. <laughs> oh, no, I, I don't. I, I no, that's, that's not a political view. I think one of the challenges with being millennials, right. If, if that's the bucket I'm in and I, and by all intents and purposes, I am one of the challenges that um, we present to the workforce as a millennial is we are entitled. We think that this, we're the smartest people in the room. We think that you know we have the best ideas and everybody should do what we say, which is great. It's super convenient for me being the owner of the company, right? My name's on the outside of the door, so I can say whatever I want. Challenge is when you put two millennials in the same room, you know, only one can enter or you know, two enter, one leaves kind of mentality. <clears throat> I think it's one of the challenges I realize that in my life, and speaking of generational, I I I generally speaking, um, work best with people that are not of my age, people that are either slightly older than me those true gen, gen, gen Xers um, or people that are 10 plus years younger than me, the, the whatever they, um, um, the, gen the Z. Zennials, Gen Z, the Zennials. Um, so yeah, that's where I fit in. Um, but also don't, you know, fit out if you will. I like your self-identification, Andy. I appreciate that. Yeah. Would expect nothing else. Absolutely. Um, you know what? Uh, I learned recently from Miss Ariel Kopech, a mindset coach, awareness is the first step, but it ain't the last step. So I'm still living in the first step. You got a lot of steps to go, my friend. <laughs> so many steps. So, many, so steps. many steps. So one of the things that we want to talk about today, you know, obviously blue collar space. How did you get into this space to begin with? I don't know any better. My grandfather, great grandfather were both farmers. Uh, my, my father, uh, my both my parents are um, college educated, both with bachelor's degrees, but they're blue collar. My mother's worked in the hospitality and restaurant and senior living industry for 35 years. My father's owned a business for 30 years, um, swinging a hammer, 65 years old. He still swings the hammer, um, still sets his own destiny every day. And mm -hmm. so the blue collar industry is just inherent. It's what I do. I'm, I'm very proud of being blue collar. I think there's some people that look at blue collar versus white collar as a negative. I, it's just different. There's different people. There's different motivations. Um, I'm proud to be blue collar. I associate with and get along with people that are blue collar, generally speaking. And it's not because of lack of exposure. Um, on my mom's side of the family, her father was a dentist. He was the dentist in town in Brookfield, right? So they, they grew up. He's one of the more wealthy families in the area. And I've seen that side of the house. On my mom's side of the family, there's doctors and lawyers that are my age 
And God bless them. I love them. They're family. But if I had to put a suit and tie on every day, I, I wouldn't be successful. Right. That would, not, be, that would not yeah. be your thing because now you'd have to I mean, figure out what to yeah, wear I mean, every I, day. Exactly. I mean, I look good. Don't get me wrong. But I'm a big fan of a uniform. I, I like identifying with a, a greater purpose and wearing a uniform that says this is who I am. And also, um, you know, from I also have a military background, so I'm used to that. I'm used to being part of a, a larger organization. And I think with blue collar folk, we're, you know, we, we work hard. We can certainly work smart, but we're, we're not afraid of hard work. And that's, that's why, that's why I'm at the core. It doesn't matter who I identify with. That's why I'm at the core. Right. And from my past experiences, the guys that are actually turning wrenches, doing the thing, making chips fly, problem solvers to the nth degree, they're the smartest people on in the planet, right? They will outperform, mm-hmm. out, outsmart, out solution most white collar folks all the time. And, and, and you know, I, I joke as a business owner, I, I wear a t-shirt and tattoos every day. I don't like it when I have to call my bank or my lawyer, my insurance guy, my accountant. However, when I do have to call those individuals, there's a reason I got to call them. And they have great disciplines and they keep me out of out of court and off the, away from the IRS so I can go do the thing. So again, whether it's generational or it's white collar, blue collar, I think what's important is understanding where everybody plays a role. I think one thing that the Bucks did well this year as an organization, right? They won an NBA championship, right? That was the end state. But the way they got there was all the players on the team were stars within their role. Right. Not everybody is going to be the star, right? You don't need people. You don't need three or four people trying to get 50 points in game six. Just let the guy that's going to get 50 points, let him get the 50 points. And everybody else be a star within your role. And I think that's the thing with blue collar, white collar. I, I don't I don't think there's as much of a break as there used to be. I think in the 90s and early 2000s, there was this big, oh, we're better than you uh, yeah. mindset. And I think that's been broken over the last 15 years when we realized that we pushed so many people to college and now now no one knows how to fix a car. Now it's like, oh, it'd be nice if I could have someone you know remodel my bathroom. And I think people that historically have thought white collar was the way to go or there's a different, no, it's just, it's a different ladder, but no one's better than the, the better than the other. It, it takes all types. Right. So as you've, as you've seen many things in your uh, short lifespan here and many different experiences, you know, you said you relate better with those 10 years younger and older than you. How's that communication been or the technology gap or things that, what have been the goods and bads across those, those experiences? I think, um, I wouldn't say, yeah, maybe there's a technology gap. I'm, I certainly have a gap when it comes to the younger generations. I don't TikTok or Snapchat or Instagram. I don't, I don't do any of that. I think one of the challenges there from a technology is obviously in an older generation, but most people that either they do or they don't. And most people from a technology standpoint, if they want to learn, they do learn computers. Uh, my father's owned a business for 30 years. He's never owned a computer. He's been successful, been profitable for 25 years straight. And he does everything with a carbon copy because he doesn't need it. He barely texts, but that's all he needs in his business. So one may say there's a gap there. The other one says they're they're successful. And I think from the younger generation, I do think that they rely on a lot of technology because um, they haven't had the the paces, right? If they can sit there and text all day and do this or just Snapchat and not have to interact, of course, they're not going to have those skill set. But I don't let that be the limiting factor, right? When we have younger employees that come in, I hold them accountable. I shake their hand. I look them in the eye. I set expectations. Maybe it's the first time they've ever been treated like uh, an adult, but I'm going to do that. And we're not going to rely on technology because if you don't know how to do it here, you, this does you no good. It's kind of like people that rely on calculators constantly, but don't know how to do with arithmetic. For those who can't see us, he was when he said here, he was pointing to his brain. For those that can't yeah. see us on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah, you can't use your brain. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you can click the buttons. You can't yeah. spell. Typing isn't any better than writing. Um so yeah, I mean, there are certainly technology gaps, but again, that's 
lumping people in the categories. I think for individuals that want to do it, they do it. And that that don't, they don't have to. You know, if you if your job is to read a tape measure all day and, you know, mark lumber with a pen of pencil, there, there's no app that can do that for you. You got that right. So, I'll tell you how many times I've seen that happen lately. But that's it. You know, you know, I think for the younger generation, I think they're yearning for it. I, I would say that millennials, I think we, we do have the ability to do both. And I think the younger generation are yearning for it. And now with uh, this COVID, post-COVID virtual world we'll live in, you know, I have a seven-year-old daughter. You know, my concern is that she's going to, you know, look at her her screen as her, her nookie, right? That iPad is her end-all, be-all. got to have a phone in the hand, constant stimulation. Even this summer, it was no screen time. We don't, we don't have time for that. Um, and so I make sure that when I take her and, and show her the world that you don't need a screen to, to do that because she's seven years old and she's, her question is, oh, are you doing virtual learning today? Because she's already been conditioned to that. Right. Uh, two years ago, people didn't know what a Zoom was. Now. <laughs> exactly. You know, even even my father, who doesn't own a computer, has been on Zoom because that was the only way he could see um, his grandchildren for a while there. So is there a gap in technology? Absolutely. But it comes down to individual responsibility. Do you want to learn or not? And if you don't, there's no shame in that. I don't need to be on Facebook and Instagram and, and Snapchat and all these things constantly because I don't want, need, or desire the end result of that. Right. It's totally fair. So what do you see as the like a big concern in the blue collar space right now as it comes down to the workforce? We don't have enough bodies. I went, I went to Menominee Falls High School and we were conditioned that, you know, you go to college or you're a bust. That was it. And I was, I've been an entrepreneur since the day I was born. It's in, it's in my blood. It's in my soul. Entrepreneur is another way to say unemployable. I've had jobs. I've been in the military. I've worked for corporations. I've worked for small companies. I, I don't do well with people telling me what to do, right? So I'm technically unemployable. And I think the challenge that we've had is that schools have conditioned individual students to say, hey, if you want to be successful, you got to go to college because they measure success on college placement rates, not on is the person doing what they were put on this earth to do? And I'm not going to get philosophical. Right. Not everybody was meant to go to college. Absolutely right. correct. So, so, so the problem is, the problem isn't with the workforce. The problem is with the conditioning that society has put on people at a young age that says, oh, you're hauling trash. That's a shitty job. Oh, you're swinging a hammer. You don't want to swing a hammer. The old adage, right? You're turning a wrench and swinging a hammer. Oh, you must be an idiot. You must be uneducated. No, fuck that noise, right? The people that are uneducated are those that put people in boxes. We got to expose children at a young age and say, and live by it. We don't need to put a t-shirt saying, hey, you can be whatever you want to be. No, we got to encourage them to be whatever they want to be. We got to take them on different adventures. We got to take them to when we're doing projects to see what they want to learn. I'll tell you what, my daughter loves a tape measure. Every time I'm working on something or building something, she wants to be she wants to be around the tape measure. I don't see her having to go to college or be an accountant. That ain't that ain't her jam. I don't know what she wants to be, but it's my obligation as a parent mm -hmm. to give her exposure, exposure and also right? exposure, exposure, exposure. That's it. I don't care if she wants to be a princess, a soccer player, or a carpenter someday. I'm gonna give her exposure to all of it and let her decide. I, I know people that are close to me that say, "Well, my kid's going to college, and there's no question about it." I think that's terrible. I think that's absolutely terrible. 18 years old, if I'd have gone to college, all I would have got was debt. That's it. My, my mom offered me $5,000 down payment on a condo to not join the military, right? No. Nah. If I don't want to join the military, I would have had $5,000 in my pocket and no experiences. If not for the military, I wouldn't have a company. I wouldn't have a house. I wouldn't have an education. So it, it's it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm a libertarian by trade, individual Individuals get to decide, right? We're entitled to right. life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. Well, you got to show people there's, Happiness is the is the is the determination of success. Are you happy? Because you can well, make one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Here's where the challenge comes in because it's, it's not about so happiness. 
whose happiness, right? And, and yeah. too often, too often, we don't allow our children to pursue their happiness and they feel an obligation to support the family thought process versus being happy for themselves. Being involved in first robotics for as many years as I have been, I've seen many a kid that shouldn't be going to college. They're going because mom and dad said that's where they need to go. I'm like, oh, but you like doing these things. You you could be an awesome mechanic. You could make a ton of money being a framer or an electrician or the plumber or whatever that is. There is opportunity galore for you to live that out. And it's like, okay. But who gives a shit about the money? You're happy every right. day doing the thing. Do the thing you want to do. Right. Right, right now, we're sitting having a podcast. I love doing podcasts. I do appreciate the opportunity to be on here and share my, my thoughts uh, and my perspective on the world. However, as soon as I get done with this, I'm going to go back downstairs in the warehouse and I'm going to start taking apart stuff because that's what I do. I take product. I take it apart. I reverse engineer the supply chain. I keep it out of the landfill. I got a contract to take care of. I got 30 pieces downstairs. I got 30,000 pieces I got to get through in the next eight, eight weeks. I like taking things apart. I like taking on problems nobody else wants to do. I don't want to sit in an office and tell other people to do it. I don't want to sit here and just look at Excel spreadsheets and say, hmm, I wonder how long it will take. No, I want to get down there with a with screwdriver and figure it the fuck out, right? Yeah. But then I'm also, but then I also have the wherewithal to say, you know what? 30,000 is a lot of damn pieces and I'm not going to do every one. So I do build the relationships so I can get staffing services and temp labor and project managers and coordinate trucks and do the Excel spreadsheets, right? I do those things so I get to take things apart. I don't have to do any of this. I get to do it all. And if I just wanted to sit back and take shit apart all day, God bless. If that was my determination, and my definition of success, ain't no shame in that game. We have to be okay with it as a society to say, you know what? Be happy every day. If you're happy every day, you don't have to live for the weekend. You don't have to get that, that, that bonus because you killed it. And now you can go buy your happiness or buy your kid's love. You don't have to go on vacation because your life sucks so much. If you love doing the thing you do, awesome. And then you find alignment with that. You don't need balance when you have alignment. We focus all this stuff on balance. Well, if I make more money, I can go on this. And if I do this, and then that happens. How about, hey, these things work. Right. This is where I want to be with my life. So, and so, so going to, back to your original question, the gap, the gap is that. The, the, the goalpost that we're kicking for isn't right. We got to say, what is your alignment? What is your happiness? Not what is success and what do you, people want you to do and what society expects of you. So do you think that alignment of happiness and what that looks like for people is a primary driver as to why we have so many Xers and um, older millennials just quitting jobs, leaving the workforce at, and not being part of, not wanting to be part of the solution and just getting out of the way? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, I think there's people that are like, hey, you know what? This ain't me. So now I'm gone and I'm going to go pursue my own thing. And so now instead of having whatever it is, you know, um, let's, let's go back 150 years for shits and giggles. 150 years ago, the majority of people were for themselves maybe 170 years ago, right? Pre-industrial revolution, people work for yeah. themselves. The time clock wasn't even invented until 120 years ago because no one punched the clock. They did the thing, right? I don't know what the stats are, right? And like, what, 60% of stats are made up on the spot? And that one was made up entirely, right? But my <laughs> argument is- Did you take that from somebody else? Because you got to give credit at least twice before it's yours. 100%. Yeah, like 74 comedians have said that before. But here's the deal. I would argue there are more people now, if you go back 20 years ago, there was more people working for people. I'd say even the last 18 months since COVID, more people that always thought about becoming entrepreneurs, working for themselves, or, or not working at all, right? Being hippies and living in buses, I don't know. More and more of those people are coming out. Yep. Because for the last 30 years, let's go with the success of the late 80s, early 90s, 
right? We, we, the, the economy was good and it was like work, 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 work for somebody else, invest, invest in these big companies. I think the last 18 months, people are being individualistic and being like, oh, you know what? I don't want to work with this person. This does not bring me happiness. Yep. So I think there's more and more people entering the workforce. That's why you have things like Etsy that are killing it because people are creating their own stuff because they're sick of buying Ikea crap. Now, are 90% of people still going to be happy working for somebody else? Yeah, great. But let's say that's the ratio. Let's say 90% of people work for somebody else and 10% of people will do things on their own. Right. My argument is simple. That those 10% of people that wanted to work on their own, maybe 5% of them, half of them were actually doing their own thing and the other half has now decided, you know what, I'm going to pursue this full time. Including my brother. My brother and I are in business together. He decided to even go off and do his own thing. It's like a band breaking up and he's going to go have his solo career. Because he learned what to do. He figured out what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do. And now he's pursuing it and he creates art. And he makes money doing it because he sells it on Etsy to a bunch of woke white kids because they want to encourage him to do that. God bless. Right. And he's 10 years younger than me. I, th- I think I think Zennials and Boomers were indoctrinated into go work for the man, go make your money, enjoy your you know your weekends. And I think some of them now are 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 getting to the point where they're like, well, what is this all for? Right. And I think I think there's I think there's an enlightenment sooner in life. It used to be right work work till you're 65, enjoy your retirement, and die. Fuck that. I'm 37. I'd rather be broke right now. All, all I'm, I don't need, you know, like that's it. I'm going to be broke and do what I want to do now while my body allows me to do it. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's, it's such a key point. Like on the, you know, and I wrote this down, it's the alignment on personal success. And we're seeing that as a, I think we're seeing that across the board. It doesn't matter the industry because COVID has brought that out. It's, it's given people the opportunity to pause and go, what the hell am I doing? Why am I actually working for this company? Why am I actually not doing the thing I want to do? So then my leads to my next question is, if we're not doing the things we want to do, how can we, because we support the blue collar space here, how can we welcome those people to try something in the blue collar space? If they're coming from white collar or they're just entering the workforce because they're a Gen Z, how can we encourage them to try something in the, in the blue collar space? For those that are, you know, entering the workforce for the first time or, you know, the reformed bankers of the world that are, you know, 40 plus that either made their money or didn't make their money and now they want to get into the blue collar space, it's, it's our obligation to be welcoming. I think the challenge is I, I interviewed a guy recently where he was talking about three trash drivers that recently left a company and they took 50 years of knowledge and experience with them. Uh, they had this mindset of scarcity, right? That there, was, there wasn't a lot of jobs, so they had to withhold all this information. Right. But you got to have an abundance mindset. you got to have an abundance that you have a wealth of knowledge to, to share with the world, an abundance mindset that there's always you know, work in front of you. And historically speaking, yeah, there are ebbs and flows in, in the economy, you know, in the 1970s, Alice, Alice Chalmers here in uh, the Milwaukee area had 5,000 applicants for 20 positions. There has certainly been tough time. Right. But if you have the mindset of abundance and abundance of knowledge, you're only going to grow your particular industry. And if the guy coming up behind you it gets better at his job, right? eventually they're going to be able to train and teach you something. Yep. So that's the key. So I, I think you can even extend it further. If you're a blue collar individual that that loves your craft and you're good at it, put yourself out there. Put out YouTube videos, put out stuff on Facebook where you're teaching people how to do stuff. Because not only are you teaching them tactical, hard skills, you're also working on your soft skills of communicating and training and coaching and mentoring. And people embrace that. I think in a world where we have all this connectivity, we have the opportunity to actually connect. Some of the best videos I see there right now on YouTube 
are people doing basic things. I know there's this dad who grew up without a father. So he puts on videos on how to shave and how to change a tire. And he has tons of views because people are yearning for that tactical information. So that's it. You have to have an abundance mindset and embrace people of all ages, races, sexes coming into your industry. Absolutely. Just to do small engine repair, just things around here. Okay. I got a problem with my tractor. All right, let me go YouTube and figure it out. I'm smart enough to kind of figure it out, but let me know the thing that might I might need to be concerned about because it's always that one little extra piece of wisdom that yep. makes the job go really well or turns it into a shit show. And if I can get that bit of wisdom by watching a YouTube video, absolutely, I'm excited about that. And the thing is, you lose nothing. You lose nothing because you know what? I tell people all the time, if you can try this at home and do it yourself, God bless. But if I give you the knowledge you can't do it yourself, you're going to hire me anyways. So mm-hmm. let's just expedite the process. Be the subject matter expert. And the person that's not willing to pay you isn't willing to pay you either way. Right. That's it. You yeah. so might as well give them the knowledge for free. Absolutely. Obviously, strong military background. How are you seeing um, the embracing of blue collar bring into the veteran space? Are you seeing opportunity there for you and your fellow combat veterans as an, as welcoming or or not so much? Or how, what's your take on that? Yeah, no, I, I think I think anything blue collar wants bodies. They don't care where the bodies come from. They want bodies that are encouraging. Talk to any uh, electrical contractor, plumbing company, welding shop, fabrication shop. They all want bodies. They don't care. And they don't care what you have as far as skill sets. I think before you had to demonstrate proficiency. Now it's, oh, you have a willingness to learn. That's the skills that they're looking for. They're looking for the um, the soft skills that make up a man and a woman more than the hard skills of can they do the thing. I think also generationally, you know, people are sick of the, the office asshole. You might be the best person in the room at doing the thing. But if you suck at getting along with your coworkers, there's not a need for you. Right. And if you think you're the smartest person in the room, go find a new room because that's got to get really old being the smartest fucking person all the time. Uh, that's, I love it. that's it. Right. Um, Simon Sinek does a great bit on that. He's like, Hey, if you want to know who, you know, your, your high performing individual with a low moral character is just ask the question, who's the ass, the office asshole. And it's typically the person that is the highest performing, but no one likes working with them. And the team suffers. And I can tell you, I'm not only the office asshole, which is great. So know what I do? I get myself out of the fucking office. I go do my own thing. Or I hire people to be the catalyst. Or I'm aware of it. And I you know, pick and choose well, when I speak up and when I talk and when I just go work. That's it. <laughs> One of your strong suits, Mr. Wines, is you are very self-aware. Absolutely. And that is what is going to carry your success forward is that you are well aware of yourself and your limitations. And uh, as you have matured over the last three to five years, and I've been able to watch that, you've recognized those things that have been more willing to accept some of those shortcomings and find find the who, not the how. Yeah, I'm, I'm fucking awesome. And I'm not going to apologize. And I Absolutely think everybody's the same way. I think everybody's awesome, right? You're not going to win over every audience. So, so don't. Right. I, I, I'm not going to change the way people think about me, but I can change the people I talk to. And I can appreciate other people. I know I'm in a CEO roundtable group. I love it. it. It's the one day a month, eight hours a day for that day, where I look around the room and I think I'm the dumbest one in the room. And that is humbling and it is it is intriguing. And I love being in that group and I get to be vulnerable and honest because I'm not in charge for once. And that feels great. And I feel re-energized every time I leave that room. Now, Nobody else in the room thinks I'm the dumbest person in the room, but that, that you know, everyone, everyone shows up with their insecurities and that's a beautiful thing. So it's not that I lack humility. 
I, humility gets people killed. And when, when you're the owner of the business, you got to be proud of your decisions. You've got to confidently say them. And we will win or lose based on those decisions. A non-decision is, is, is not an option. Right. And same when it comes to networking. If I'm in a room with 100 people, if, if I want to be rem- remembered, I better do something fucking memorable. Got that. So you do. Usually, so you show you, up. usually just show up and walk in. And that's usually good enough. That's it. <laughs> but, but, but you know what? But you know what? That's the thing, though. Brad's, Brad Hurdy, you saw me in the first couple of rooms I walked in. When I walked in, let's go back to your question about what blue collar can do. You know what blue collar can do? Blue collar do something that the fucking white collar doesn't do and hasn't done. And I think they're learning to do it now to themselves. Four or five years ago, when I walked into those networking events with my t-shirt, my camel pants, my ball cap, my tattoos, I got the fucking look. People didn't want me in that room. They were afraid of me in that room because I didn't look like everybody else. Right. I can tell you it was an uphill battle, but this is what I knew. 50% of the people in that room wanted something to do with me and 50% of people wanted nothing to do with me. So you know what you did? I went, to, I went assimilated and talked to those 50% of people that at least might have wanted something to do with me. That's fine. And then you know what I did next month? I showed up again. And now all of a sudden, that 50% of people didn't think I deserved to be in that room. Well, 50% of them were like, okay, maybe. And eventually, that those 25 people turned into another 50. And eventually, a guy found that 10 people out of 100 didn't want me in the room. And too bad, so sad, because I'm fucking awesome. They don't deserve my goddamn time. And I'm okay <laughs> with that. That's absolutely and, right, though, man. That's it. So I don't care if it's generational. I don't care if it's race. I don't care if it's religion. I don't care if it's white collar, blue collar. If you are so stuck in your mindset that you are the way, the end all be all, then you don't deserve the time from the rest of us that are willing to be open and honest. And that goes both ways. If you're that elitist in the blue collar world that thinks no one else can do what you do because you're the best in the world, get fucked. Someone's going to take your job someday because you're not humble enough to recognize that. And same in the white collar. So I'm not going to waste my time on these 10% of people on each end. I'm going to invest my time on the 80% of people in the middle. Because those are the people that are worth our time and energy. And that's where things happen. Those are the blue collar people that show up every day and make things happen. How these people exist, I don't know. I'm not cutting them checks. Someone's feeding them. Or maybe, you know what, in, in their sphere of influence, they're, they're the people. Fine. But the, the key is, going back to the military, too, I felt the same way with the military. If I'm just a token veteran, great. You're going to thank me for my service, and then that's the end of that conversation. Just like everybody else in the world, we're multifaceted. Embrace people individually. Be wowed and amazed with what they do when you allow them to flourish. Yep. Such a great point. I, and I will say that uh, you and I have had a, a relationship for, I don't know, three, four, five years now, whatever the hell it's been when you walked in that first room, when you and I and Helm were sitting at the table about a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was, and you're sharing your stories um, between you two and I'm the outsider in that room. Holy shit. I was uncomfortable as hell. Um, mm-hmm. But you know what? It's a learning experience for me and it's part of, uh, growth and opportunity to see how others react and deal with things. Appreciate that, that opportunity to be at that table. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. If, we, if, we, if I'm in a room with 90% veterans, absolutely. The, te- the 10% non-veterans are going to feel completely isolated. That's it. You know, and that's in any society. And, and the goal is that you, you, you recognize who you are when you walk in the door. Don't apologize. Understand who you are and the impact you have. If you want to piss off the room, by all means, piss off the room, but commit to it, right? <laughs> if you want to embrace the room, then embrace the room, but don't be a victim. Right. You know what? This, this is America. We're all entitled to the same three things, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. That's it. It, it ends there. What you do with that is your choice. Completely agree. That is, that is a choice. It is a thing that we get to do every day, not that we have to do. Yeah. Well, Andy, it's been great having you on the show. 
so much information has been passed along from you. Not, you know, and I've learned so much just in the conversation and, and just want to thank you for one, your service, but also thank you for the, the information that you pass along to us and also to our audience as well. Yeah, no, I appreciate having me. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of the wonderful and almighty, you know, guy behind the curtain, the AFW of the world, how are they getting a hold of you? Where are they connecting? How do they find your services? Fucking call me. 414-793-6253. It's that fucking simple. There are no firewalls. I don't check Facebook Messenger and LinkedIn as much as I should. You can find me at, you know, at Andy fucking Wines on Instagram, but I ain't on that because I'm not that woke. You can call me. That's how honest and open I am. I have people reach out to me on LinkedIn, veterans, entrepreneurs. Hell, I got someone that wants to start a competing business against me and ask me, you know, to reach out to him. And I call him yesterday. He didn't pick up his fucking loss. That's it. There, there's, there's, there's no one that can't get a hold of information. And so I practice what I preach. If I think I have an abundance of knowledge, I have an abundance of work, I have an abundance of life, I'm willing to share with anybody and everybody that's willing to take that first step for themselves. I'm not going to find you, right? It's all about choices. You want better in this world, go out and get it. And I will be your biggest supporter. That is uh, that is one way to get a hold of of Mr. Wines, and it is the only way. It is the best way. You're likely going to get a text that says, "I'll call you back in under an hour." That's usually what you get because he's always on the damn phone. Hey, you, know you text me. Hey, you text me at nine o'clock this morning, whatever it was, eight o'clock. Hey, can you be on a podcast at three p.m. I said yes. I'm that was, I mean, that, 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 that's it. There was, yep. When you send me an email, I said sounds good. Yep. Two fifty nine. I'm good to fucking hook. That's it. Practice what you <laughs> preach. Absolutely. And I appreciate you taking the uh, time out of your busy day to out of those 30,000 units you need to go take apart uh, <laughs> in the next eight weeks because you just missed out on about 150 of those units over this oh, yeah. uh, recording session here. That So thank you so much for uh, taking the time out and sharing your uh, very uh, colorful and truthful wisdom. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Andy. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS. Brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.